some rabbis taught that there was a filing system to the Old Testament, that the 613 laws, each one would fit into one of the Ten Commandments, and then you could take the Ten Commandments and fit them into the Shema as we recite it today. Would you recite the Shema with me? Shema Israel. Adonai Eloheinu. Adonai Ahad. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and love your neighbor as yourself. Now hear the scripture for this day from the 20th chapter of Exodus. Then God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol. You shall not make wrongful use of the name of the Lord your God. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Honor your father and your mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not covet. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. When I was in high school and I was would be preparing to leave the house for an evening out with my friends, before I would walk out the door, my father always said the same sentence to me. It was, Dinah, uphold the family name. I was a smith. That was kind of hard to do. But that's another story. <laughs> uphold the family name, he would say. And I knew what he meant. I knew that he meant, remember who you are. Remember this house when you go out there. Don't let what's out there affect your identity. Instead, let your identity change the environment you find yourself in. And I think that's a lot of what's going on in our text for this morning. That as God gives the Ten Commandments to the Israelites at Mount Sinai, he is saying to them, remember who you are. Remember whose you are. Don't let the environment you find yourself in change who you are. But instead, you change the environment that you find yourself in for the better. These are the guidelines. These are the boundaries, God is saying. You know, my favorite metaphor for the Ten Commandments is to imagine a backyard that's set up by a good parent, a good and loving parent for their child. And as the parent shows the backyard to the child, the parent says, look, here's a playscape. It's good and it's safe. Here's a swimming pool. Just swim in this pool. It'll make you stronger. And here's a treehouse. I built the treehouse. I designed the treehouse myself. I bet if you spend time in this treehouse, you'll learn more about me. But see the fence on the edge of the yard? Don't go outside of that fence. Because if you go outside of that fence, you might get lost. You might get hurt. And I can pretty much guarantee if you're on the other side of that fence, you won't be able to see me. And so when I hear the Ten Commandments, I hear the words, Swim in the family. 
It'll make you stronger. Spend time in Sabbath rest. You'll learn more about who God is because God designed the Sabbath himself. But don't engage in deceptive, empty talk. Don't be violent. Don't be disloyal. Because those are places where it will be hard to find God. And I might get lost. And I might get hurt. It's interesting to me that with these Ten Commandments, we find no sanctions. At other places in the Old Testament, we find similar laws. And there is a sanction included. Many times it can be as um, costly as life itself. But with the Ten Commandments, both in Exodus and when they're listed again in Deuteronomy, there's no consequence. And I wonder if that's because we're talking about more than just civility here. We're talking about spirituality. And so when you break one of the Ten Commandments, the possibility comes that you break your spirit as well. It reminds me of the ninth chapter of Matthew, where Jesus heals the paralytic. And Jesus' first words to the man are, your sins are forgiven. And the scribes who overhear Jesus say, that's blasphemy. And Jesus says, well, which is easier to say, stand up and walk, or your sins are forgiven? As if to say, which is more paralyzing, a physical limitation or the burden of sin? I suppose these Ten Commandments remind us of the burden of sin, that it can break our very spirits, that there is a boundary set along our identity, and we remember who we are. These Ten Commandments also remind us who God is. The very first verse of chapter 20 says, I am the Lord your God. I brought you out of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. And so what we know about God and what we are to remember about God is that God loves freedom. You know, God has provided freedom for this people, the Israelites. God parted the Red Sea. He provided food, manna from heaven, and water for their journey, all at no cost. This all came before the covenant. Because God provides, God sustains, and God loves freedom. And these Ten Commandments don't change a bit about God's identity. These Ten Commandments do not mean slavery. Slavery was Pharaoh's ways, and Pharaoh is a very different king from Yahweh. These Ten Commandments mean more freedom, and it's essential that we remember that about God as we look at the Ten Commandments as a covenant between God and his people. Some rabbis teach that the Ten Commandments were put on two separate tablets and then put in the Ark of the Covenant before, that always went before the people. And the Ten Commandments were not listed as we see them on the front of our bulletin, five on one tablet and five on the other tablet. But instead, each tablet had Ten Commandments. And they were placed into the ark two copies, one copy for God's people and the other copy for God, because there were two very essential parties to this covenant. 
Yesterday, I left my house for just a short period of time. I took one child with me, and I left two children at home. I went to run a few errands, and when I came home, you know what? There were goldfish in the swimming pool, and lunch was being served, and it was grape jelly sandwiches with root beer. And I realized I am an essential part of this household. It's important that I'm here. Much the same in this story. God is an essential part of this covenant. And the Israelites are to remember it's important that God is with them. God is a freedom-loving God. And what I see in this scripture passage is that there is really no end to the freedom that we can pursue in the Ten Commandments. Another way of saying that is that there is really no way to master the Ten Commandments. At what point do we say, yeah, I mastered keeping the Sabbath? At what point do we say, hey, I have mastered esteeming my parents and my spouse as God would have me do? At what point do we say, I've mastered the ability to possess just what I need, not more than that, and not even to desire more than I need? No, there is much freedom to be gained in these Ten Commandments. Not a one of us has mastered them. Well, maybe one did. (laughs) I suspect that Jesus mastered the Ten Commandments. I really like what Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote about the Ten Commandments and Jesus. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, Jesus did not add one thing to the Ten Commandments except his ability to keep them. And any time Jesus taught on the Ten Commandments, Jesus pushed people further. When he taught about murder, he also talked about violence and anger. When he taught on adultery, he talked about lust. When he talked about theft, he talked about uh, giving more than is asked of us. I suspect that that's because Jesus knew there is a very intimate connection between the law and the story of freedom. You see, at another point in the gospel, Jesus says, man was not made for the Sabbath, but Sabbath was made for man. And there is nothing outside of a person that can defile us. I think Jesus knew very well that there is a connection between the story of freedom and the ability to live a life of faith. And so I think the last thing that we must remember as we read this text this morning is that we should remember the story. God says to the Israelites, I brought you out of slavery, out of the house of slavery, out of Egypt. It's important that you remember this. It's important that you keep this in mind. Now, these Ten Commandments are written in a very different way from other laws of the uh, ancient world. Other laws of the ancient Near East were written into civil and criminal codes, much as the Greeks and the Romans did, and much as we do today. But this law sits in the center of a narrative. It sits in the center of a story. 
And I believe that is so, so important for us. This weekend, I went to a conference where James Bryan Smith taught. He is the author of The Good and Beautiful God. And he said, there are three things that form us into the people that we are. And three things, these same three things, can transform us. And they are community, our actions, and our narrative. The very story that we tell ourselves. And so through these Ten Commandments, the people over and over again remind themselves, we were slaves in Egypt, but we are God's people, and God has brought us to a place of blessing. But we remember slavery. We remember Egypt. Fred Craddock tells a story about teaching at a retreat in Germany. And one evening during the retreat, he left the campground to just go across the street and have dinner at a hotel. And while he was having dinner there by himself, there were other people eating in the restaurant. A woman um, stood up, and she was the performer for the evening, and she began to sing songs, and they were really lovely, beautiful uh, music. He said it was a nice break from the retreat. It was uh, musical songs from the 30s and 40s and 50s, so it was light and pretty music. And then in the middle of her concert, she stopped, and she began to sing the words to Psalm 121. I lift my eyes up to the hills. From where does my help come? My help is in the name of the Lord, creator of heaven and earth. And Craddock, who is a preacher, said, it was awkward. Everybody in the room felt uncomfortable. But then after she sang Psalm 121, she went right back to the program. The next day, Craddock happened to run into her, and he thanked her for the beautiful concert, and he said, but let me ask you a question. Why Psalm 121? That seemed inappropriate. And she said, if you knew my life, my life on the streets of London, you would know that that was the most appropriate song that I sang. And then she began to tell him about her life on the streets. Terrible, horrible, really, he said. And so Craddock said, well, why don't you just forget about it? Forget the bad and remember the good. And she said, no. No, I won't forget. Never. It's important that we remember our time in Egypt, that we remember the periods of slavery in our lives, because I suspect the amount of blessing that we have the capacity to step into is equivalent to the amount of slavery we can remember. Amen.